Abba Yahweh, thank you for your word, your knowledge and your wisdom, and your trust in me to share this with the brothers and sisters and anyone that will listen, anyone that has an ear to let them hear and to be in and study the word to show themselves approved of you, Father God. This is the gospel of your strength and your might, your love, your grace, and your mercy. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, your only begotten son that you sent for us, Father. And your Holy Spirit to come and guide us and lead us and help us along the way, to help us to be of good courage, strong and upright, Father God. For without you, we are just like chaff in the wind, Father. In our weakness, we call to you. You are our strength. So, brothers and sisters, some things have been stirring. been praying all day about it, and the Holy Spirit's kind of guided me in and out of thought process to within the word and where to find these things and and some things I heard being shared that are just um, <laughs> and we talk about relevance of the word I, I just I still find it rather amusing that there are those that say that the word has to be written or rewritten so that it's more relevant to the time and again I will share and repeat what I've said before evidently those in- individuals have not read the entire Bible or decided not to look in the book of Revelation as many alleged Christians do because it's about doom and gloom. So they don't really understand because, number one, they don't have an ear, a spiritual ear, and they don't lean in to hear the word of God and hear him speak. And number two, they don't have a spiritual eye so that they can go in and see the word, read the word, and they don't talk to God and ask for his guidance and understanding. They try to do it on their own. So what do they see in the book of Revelation? Doom and gloom. There are many Bibles that actually have at the heading of the book of Revelation, Revelation of Jesus Christ. Which is, which is exactly what the book of Revelation is about. And I share again with you that the word apocalypse comes from the Greek word apocalypto, which means nothing but revelation or the revealing. And so what they're doing is they're denying Jesus Christ. They're denying the word of God. They're denying the vision that, that Jesus gave to John on the island of Patmos to teach, educate, edify, uplift, and encourage the brethren through the word. And what they fail to realize in the last chapter of the book of Revelation, that it says anyone that changes the book by one jot and one tittle will suffer all the plagues of the book. So when they do that, They're bringing God's anger out to be revealed. And it's a righteous judgment and anger. Now, 
I'll share this with you that in Hebrew translation, when the calligraphers write, a jot and a tittle is an actual, it's a, it's a, how to describe it? It's, it's actually a, a symbol or part of the writing in the calligraphic artistry. And one goes one direction and the other goes the other direction. And Hebrew calligraphers or Jewish calligraphers that are writing, if they change that, it changes the whole translation. And there have been those that were writing that did that very thing and actually destroyed, they just destroyed the whole thing that they had just written. You can't erase it. You can't, that's not allowed. So rather than a jot, they put in a tittle and vice versa. And so that entire transcription was destroyed and they had to start again. And I say that because you have the individuals, certain individuals, and there is one very prominent religious leader that says that he wants to rewrite the Bible so that it's more relevant to this day and age. And I've shared with you numerous times, and I'll tell you again, how much more relevant can you get when you read Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and you go through those books and you see that they are talking about things that are happening in the world today. They are applicable. As they were then, you can apply them to what's going on around us today. And that brings me to this next point, which is um, some of you may be familiar with horses and mules and the term stiff-necked. And many that are familiar or possibly not, they may have heard that term, but the mule skinners or teamsters, they gripe about their animals being stiff-necked or stubborn. And when they try to turn, because with a horse and a mule, when you pull on the reins to guide them in direction, they're going to they're gonna turn their head that way so they can see what's going on. And many times the mule skinners or the teamsters will have blinders on so that they just pay attention to what's in front of them, not distracted, not get spooked about things that are going on around them. And so when they pull on the reins for whichever direction they want them to go, the animal's got to turn its head to that direction. Once in a while, you're going to have a stiff-necked animal and doesn't want to go that way for whatever reason. Maybe it smells water, it's very thirsty, or it smells sweet grass or something that it's hungry and it wants to go that way. And so it becomes stiff-necked, and you can't get it to turn. You can't. You you kind of been in an argument with the with your horse or your mule. Generally, they're going to win because they weigh a lot more and they're a lot stronger than we are. But anyway, that's not where that phrase was coined from. That's what many people will attribute it to, and that's what uh, modernists believe, or those that. Uh, of this modern age think it came from, but I'm going to share with you right now. God actually coined that phrase, and he used it 
to describe the people of Israel. When Moses was up on the mount and talking to God, and the thing that we have to realize too is that God and Moses had face-to-face, not really because there's no one that could look upon uh, God. That's why Moses, when God told him that he would come down, but he had to hide him in the cleft and put, he'd put his hand over his face because if he didn't do that, Moses looked upon him, he'd be struck dead. And he didn't want that to happen because Moses was actually a friend of God. God liked Moses. He was a little bit stubborn too, but when Moses declared things for the people, God listened to him. But at any rate, in Exodus 33, God talks about the stiff-necked people. And while Moses was up on the mountain and taking time to commune with God and get directions from God for the people's sake, They got antsy, and they got Aaron to bend to their whim, and he took their gold, and he made a golden calf, an idol, a false god, a false deity. And he took their gold from them, melted it down, and he made this calf. And then, of course, he tried to lie to Moses when Moses asked him what he had done and he said oh he took their gold and he threw it in the fire and out came the calf <laughs> yeah it just walked out on its own Aaron Aaron was a um, metalsmith and he was good at that and he created this golden calf and that's when Moses threw down the Ten Commandments at the base of the idol And then he took that golden calf and he ground it, just dashed it to the ground and he ground it into powder, took that gold, and then he made those people drink the water that he put it in. And in 33, God declares, and I'll be reading And I'm going to uh, start, I'll just start in verse 1. I was going to start in 2, but I'll just start in verse 1. 33.1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up into the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, Ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee that I may know what to do unto thee. So they still had on their finery and all their trappings and everything that they were dancing around and worshiping this golden idol. 
There are many places in the Bible that tells us that God is a jealous God. We shall have no other God before him. We will worship no other God before him. And that goes for money. Money can be an idol. Possessions can be an idol. When we put too much devotion to that instead of to our Father, God, Creator, Sovereign Lord of all things, the maker of all things made, which incidentally people, being stiff-necked and stubborn as we tend to be, forget that they wouldn't have that if it wasn't for the grace and mercy of God. Anyway, and they gripe and complain and whine when churches talk about tithing. Really? The only thing God asks is that a minimum of 10% that people can't take $10 out of 100 and give it to God? Really? Or 10 cents out of a dollar and give it to God? And you can keep decreasing down there where it's, it's nothing. God doesn't ask anything of us. The only thing that he requests of us is that we believe in Jesus Christ and have faith in him. And ask that we give of the first fruits of our harvest. And now, of course, many of us don't harvest, but when we go to work, that first fruit is the first out of our check of what we make. And we give it to God. And people gripe and complain because they say that they're just giving it to the church and they don't know where it goes. So they gripe about it and they don't tithe or they just give a couple bucks in the offering on Sunday. Well, brothers and sisters, there are churches that will steal that money, and they will, they will answer to the Lord God Almighty for stealing from him. And there is a chapter and verse in the book of Acts that talks about what happens when you steal from God. But brothers and sisters... These stubborn people, are we not also that way when God takes us down a path that we tend to forget that it is God who is with us and leading us? Why are we afraid to go down that path with his guidance? And brothers and sisters, it's <laughs> all we have to have is faith. That's all he asks of us. Just have faith. Sharing out of the book of Psalm 1 and 2. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, does not stand in the way of sinners. Now, we're not talking about blocking them, but in the way of sinners, in the way that they are, and how they act, and how they behave, does not sitteth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So rather than sitting in counsel with the scornful, or the sinners and those that just do willy-nilly and how they prefer to do. And sometimes there are those individuals, well, if it feels good, just do it. 
Well, no, that's not exactly right because there are certain things that are an abomination to God and should, if you are a true Christian, be an abomination to you as well. And remember, don't get all in a twist about this, but that's a general speaking, not necessarily meaning you personally when I say that and use that terminology. So if the shoe fits where it, if it doesn't apply to you, just hear what I share and then it's not applying to you. But one of the most important things that we have to remember comes out of Proverbs chapter 3. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Brothers and sisters, the grace of God is what we abide by, and his mercy is the only reason that we can. We deserve not, (laughs) in so many ways, brothers and sisters, we deserve not to be where we are. And yet, because God loves us and he bestows his mercy on us, holding back what we do deserve, we don't deserve the grace that he gives to us. And we deserve much, much worse. But because he loves us so much and Jesus came and sacrificed for us that God mercifully lets us continue on. And also don't forget this, that Jesus Christ, our high priest, prays intercessory prayers for us daily in heaven. He prays for us daily. We just need to have faith in God, brothers and sisters, faith in God that the detour is indeed the road. Don't be stiff-necked and stubborn. And if God wants us to go one way and we decide that we don't want to go that way, that we're going to go our own way. Well, I've shared with you before what happened when that took place in the book of Hebrews, um, Hebrews 11. I've shared with you that there are some theologians that call that the, the hall of faith. But there are a number of names that appear in there that knowing and going back and studying back in the Old Testament of those individuals, that they had an issue. And their issue was that they were stubborn, stiff-necked. And they diminished God and thought that 
it had to be their timing and they'll take care of it because uh, <laughs> as there was with Sarai and Abram before their names were changed to Abraham and Sarah, she decided to take it upon herself because she was too old and he was too old and didn't think that the promise of God for them to have a child. She had to help that along. God wasn't big enough, powerful enough. Hey, he just made everything, but he couldn't make that happen. Eh. All the individuals that are shared in there, and there's a, there's a few of them, and do we not do the same thing? That we diminish God instead of magnifying God? the maker of all things made, that we tend to diminish him or that we say that oh, I'm not worthy of that because why? Because we're listening to the words of the liar or his minions and they planted the seeds of weeds that tend to grow up and block out our vision, our path, and they clog the roots so that the fruit doesn't bear just weeds. Brothers and sisters, cut them back. Do not diminish God. Magnify the Lord in all our ways. In everything that we do, magnify God, the maker of all things made. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our adoration. His grace and mercy Keep us breathing and alive. And he will bless you. And I have prayed to God a couple of prayers, and he has honored my prayers, and I am feel so blessed by this. The one prayer that I prayed is I just wanted him to be able to help me to understand his word, to, to share his wisdom with me. And his knowledge that I can find him. And he puts me in this word and he takes me to, to scriptures. He shares his word with me. He shares his scriptures with me. And he takes me through these things. And he trusts me with the treasury. Which is what this Bible is. This Bible is the treasury of God. The treasury of God is his word. His breath. His promises. His love. And it's all in this word the Bible, and he lets me share it, and he gives me that speech so that I can carry it out to other people and give others an opportunity to hear it. He has blessed me with this podcast, showed me how to do it. I, I wanted to be able to do something, and he's honored me by giving this ability to me to share the word because he believes that it's a good way for me to reach out and touch more people. And if those that listen to share it with somebody else and they can see where it comes from and then they can in turn share it and share it and share it. Brothers and sisters, I do this for the glory of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the opportunity for everyone to hear his word. And nothing I share by any means, way, shape, or form, even when I talk about the enemy in the book of Revelation and these things and the prophecies, Brothers and sisters, you cannot look at this as doom and gloom. Goodness gracious, that tells me 
as I've heard some others say, that they're holding on to this plane of existence too tightly. Are they going to be sorrowful when the Lord comes? And then they're just going to say, wow. But here's the other thing, too, that he's promised, that our salvation is never depleted. It's never taken away from us. Once we say, I accept Lord Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of God, and I believe that, and you walk with God, and you have faith in God, you might backslide. You might fall down. Get up, brush yourself off, ask God's forgiveness, and just like the prodigal son, he will take you into his arm, pull you into his bosom, and he will kiss you on the neck, and then step back and look you full in the face and smile and say, I love you, I forgive you, welcome back. He's not going to turn you around and give you the boot and kick you out. He won't do that. There are those that absolutely refuse God's gift. It's free, but they choose to listen to the seeds that are planted by the minions of the enemy. They choose to listen to the lie. Brothers and sisters, it's just, it's the truth and the word. And Paul writes that we need to study to show ourselves approved. And that means that we need to stay in this. And I shared with you in the book of Proverbs where it tells us to take this and put it around our neck and write it on our hearts and study it day and night in the book of Psalms that David wrote some of them poems and some of them songs. Talks about studying, staying in the word, and no matter what happens, come back to God. It doesn't matter. He doesn't care that you fall. What he cares about is whether or not you get up and you come and you say, Father, forgive me. I have sinned. I did a a thing, but forgive me, please. And he always will. He's a good, good father. He's a loving father. He's not going to say, no, I'm not going to forgive you. God will not do that. Brothers and sisters, he will stay by our side and he will stay by us. And brothers and sisters, just stay in the word, lean into God, have a spiritual ear and spiritual eyes. And David writes further in Psalm 1, talking about blessed is the man that walketh, not in the counsel of the ungodly, but he also says that if we are like a tree that's planted by the river of water, that bringeth forth his truth in his season. Brother and sisters, he's talking about the, the living water, the living water that is offered. And trees that are planted by, that, by a river, they prosper greatly. And there are those that, that know that they have to plant their, their fruit trees near where they can get water. They didn't have irrigation systems back in those days. They had to, they had to dig things and trenches to get water, but 
if they planted their trees near to the water source, their fruit would prosper. The same thing is with us, brothers and sisters. If we plant ourselves like that tree by the living water, we will prosper. We will prosper. And brothers and sisters, it just needs to be the truth. The word of God is the truth. He promises to be with us always. He promises that the Holy Spirit will guide us in our learning. And he will be with us. And brothers and sisters, I love you. I pray over you for your strength, good courage, boldness to be upright in the truth of the gospel of our Father God and the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who came for us. Stay in that way. Don't be stiff-necked. Don't be stubborn. Because, brothers and sisters, sometimes the detour is the road. Consider this. I had, I've, I've seen and heard this before and known it, but you have to know that this is a truth. Many times because we want something done right now, we plan it, we try to pre-plan, we do this, we do that, and then we get agitated when it just doesn't work out. But consider this, that God knows all things. He sees all things. He's omniscient, omnipotent, meaning that he's all-knowing, all-powerful, and he's omnipresent. He's always present. So if we go planning a trip and it doesn't work out just exactly right, there's a delay, you couldn't get on a particular flight, you had to wait and take another flight, and then you grumble, 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 grumble. And then you hear the news later that that plane never took off or an engine caught fire and it had to have an emergency landing or a crash landing. And sometimes the road is blocked and you have a long detour. I had that actually happen when I was driving a big truck, a long delay. And yeah, I was getting a little frustrated. Perfectly honest, I was getting... I, you know, I have delivery. I had a time point. But when I got up and had to take the side road and finally got through all that length of traffic, brothers and sisters, there was a pileup that was almost a half a mile long. There were cars crashed into... I have no idea what happened. It wasn't even raining. It wasn't snowing. I have no clue as to what happened, but let me tell you this. It was not a pleasant visage because there were many vehicles that were there from the county and law enforcement, and there were many tarps on the ground. That means that there were people that did not survive that accident. It wasn't a jumble up in a pile. These, these cars were... I am totally baffled as to what happened, but there were cars strewn everywhere. And I had detour, and then I had to go on the side road and grumble, 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 grumble. Do we do that? We agitate. God knows what's going on up ahead. God has walked in the day. Each morning when you get up and you rise before the start of the day, thank God. 
for blessing me with the grace of breath, for walking this day, and I ask the Holy Spirit to guide me through the day and help me to be a better light in this dark world. And is it better that we are not, is it, is it not better that we shine as a beacon to a safe haven? And that safe haven, of course, would be in the arms of Jesus and our Lord God Almighty, inviting people to church, praying over them, helping pray with them, or just sharing the word and getting them hungry for more so that they will come to church or they get back into church. I've had some that have shared that. That's what we're about, brothers and sisters, our Father's business. I love you. I pray going out and coming in. You have a blessed day. It's going on into the wee hours of the morning. But you know, as I said, the Holy Spirit stirs these things up in me and I've got to share with you. This comes out of the Word of God. And don't forget, brothers and sisters, that this is not only the Word of God, His treasury that is full of golden words and treasures of the Word. It is also our lagos, our armory, that contains many harema, the swords that we can pull, as Jesus Christ did when he was being tempted. Satan came to him, and each and every time Satan tried to come at him, he recited, it is written. Three times. Satan got tired of it, and he retreated. It is written, it is written, it is written. Thou shalt have no other God before me. So brothers and sisters, stay in the word. It's a treasury full of gold and gems. It is our army that we can draw on when we have need. But understand that we are not confrontational, but we stand upright, we stand boldly, and God does not need us to defend him. We stand up, we can say a Bible verse, we say a word, we tell somebody where it comes from, and then if they decide that they want to get confrontational, silence, close it up, the Holy Spirit is taking charge The Holy Spirit will take over because battles are not ours. They're not ours to fight. And when it comes time to have to, God's going to let us know. But we're not to be confrontational, brothers and sisters. Be loving, guiding, compassionate, kind, not confrontational. Again, I'll share with you Daniel, Hananiah, Ansariah, Mishael. Upright, bold, courageous. They did not stand down. They did not step aside. They stood up. But they didn't, they did not get confrontational. 
just like before they went into the furnace. Hananiah and Sariah and Mishael, they told Nebuchadnezzar, go ahead, throw us in. Our God will stand with us and protect us and save us. And if he doesn't, it doesn't matter because we're going home. We believe in God, our Father, and he will deliver us from you. We're not going to bow to your false idol. And what did Nebuchadnezzar see in the furnace? He saw a fourth who was like unto the Son of God. That's in the Bible. That's the authority of Jesus Christ. Hundreds of years before he was born of a virgin and came to this earth as a human child and walked and lived as a human on this earth, so that his sacrifice would be known and understood complete. That's what that's all about. All right, brothers and sisters, I'm going to call it a night or a morning. Have a blessed day. I will be praying for you.